Lynn Calabrese, and I'm coming at you again to give you highlights from day three. Today's highlights, I'm going to show you some clinical outcomes, some quality of life, management in RA, and a number of abstracts on PSA. I'm going to open with a report on a study by Pombo Suarez and their colleagues who investigated the efficacy of JAK inhibitors in patients who fail to respond to their first JAK inhibitor treatment and compared this to switching to other biologic DMARTs. So switching JAKs is a new area. We don't have a lot of data on it. I thought this was particularly interesting. Um, this nested cohort study uh, within an international collaboration of RA registries compared effectiveness of cycling JAK inhibitors versus switching to uh, biologic DMARTs in 708 patients. So this is a real life experience. This is not a randomized trial, looking at you know, outcomes here. So what that was found was that patients cycling JAK inhibitors were older and had longer disease duration and received more biologic DMARTs and had longer exposure to their first JAKI than switchers to biologic DMARTs. So the JAK switchers you know, had more serious disease and uh, you know, uh, older population, again, a cautionary note uh, today versus when these data were um, mined. Monotherapy was more prevalent and discontinuation of the first JAK inhibitor was more common for safety rather than efficacy. Another uh, cautionary note, cycling and switching strategies showed similar drug survival rates after two years of follow-up. So, I, you know, I think a fair summary is that after failing the first JAK inhibitor, cycling to another JAK inhibitor versus switching to a, a biologic DMARD appears to have similar ex, uh, effectiveness um, despite um, a more difficult to treat patient profile um, uh, for uh, patients that are recycling to this. I think in view of uh, recent safety data, I think we'll have to critically appraise this and uh, look at the, in a more granular fashion at this population. Staying with the theme of clinical outcomes in RA, Movahedi and colleagues presented a poster featuring real world physician and patient reported outcomes when they compared the efficacy of six months of treatment with tofacitinib or a TNF inhibitor in RA patients. So um, they used real world, uh, real world data from OBRI registry. 419 patients uh, were initiating treatment between June of 2014 and December of 2019. Patients were required to have outcomes data available at treatment initiation and at least six months of follow-up. So what were the differences here? Well, the TNF group was less likely to have had a prior biologic DMARD, no surprise to, to us. Um, 21% uh, compared to tofacitinib, who were experienced two-thirds of the time, 67.9%. Um, the, the rate of uh, CDI low disease or remission at six months were 33% and 26% in the TNF and TOFA group, respectively. Again, di different groups, different um, intensity. Um, GLMM. Uh, as we say, showed no significant differences in CDI, low disease activity, remission, um, uh, radii, hack DI, sleep problems, anxiety, depression, whole slew of 
um, uh, uh, quality of life measures in the two treatment groups. So, uh, you know, uh, what do we say? Uh, using the sophisticated, uh, you know, statistical model uh, of uh, um, uh, looking at all of these quality of life measures, um, that reported effectiveness were similar in the TNF and tofacitinib groups six months after treatment initiation in patients with RA. So let's move on to a PSA. I want to highlight four interesting posters. Um, Daniel Alataha and colleagues conducted a post hoc analysis of pooled data from the phase three select PSA uh, one and two studies and they investigated baseline data and early responses for uh, potential predictors of low or minimal disease activity um, at week 56 in PSA on upadacitinib. So again, post hoc analysis, um, uh, comparing baseline uh, data to who achieve, uh, you know, uh, very uh, good responses. Uh, 640 patients with prior um, uh, uh, intolerance uh, experience to uh, one or more biologics uh, or DMARDs. Uh, key results evaluated separately. Younger age, male sex, geographic origin, lower weight, lower BMI presence of dactylitis and enthesitis, and lower scores on patient pain, global activity, uh, total joint count, and HACDI were significant predictors for achieving MDA, DAPSA, low disease activity at week uh, 56. Um, interesting uh, uh, to me, just reflecting on dactylitis and enthesitis kind of surprised me. Predictors for achieving sustained MDA and sustained uh, LDA were similar uh, uh, to those that uh, I've just uh, discussed. So in PSA patients receiving upadacitinib, baseline characteristics and early responses strongly predicted achievement of MDA or DAPSA week 56. So maybe this is useful information as we make our drug selections. Another post hoc study of the two select PSA studies examined the impact of upadacitinib on Enthesitis and psoriatic patients. This is really important. I'm so impressed with enthesitis is actually being the, the source of major concern in my PSA patients uh, more often than I had thought in years past when we didn't focus on this and measure it. So they used two enthesitis um, uh, uh, scoring systems, uh, Leeds and Spark, um, and compared UPA and uh, placebo arms. Uh, and, and analyzed uh, these data um, uh, at week 56. They looked for um, resolution uh, with scores of zero on, um, uh, uh, yeah, on both of these measurement tools. And what they found was a significantly greater improvement um, in uh, the leads and spark scores was observed with UPA over placebo. Uh, no surprise. A higher proportion of UPA patients achieved complete resolution of enthesitis. It's a very potent drug in this area. Resolution was sustained or increased to 56 weeks, particularly with continuous UPA. And I think that that's a very important observation and uh, when we counsel patients. And improvement was seen across enthesial sites um, 
with a high rate of maintenance of an enthesitic free state after resolution. So 15 milligrams of upatin is uh, uh, rapid and leads to comprehensive impact uh, on uh, improvement and resolution of enthesitis. Um, the Ian McInnes and his team reported long-term safety and efficacy of UPA uh, and presented the results at 56 weeks from the SELECT-1 study. The efficacy of upadacitinib was compared to adalimumab and placebo throughout, and a number of outcomes were considered. These included achievement of minimal disease activity, resolution of enthesitis and dactylitis, and assessment of the psoriatic area um, uh, and the skin uh, uh, severity and achievement uh, of uh, certain ACR metrics. So uh, a very robust study. 1,700 patients uh, uh, in that study received upadocitinib and adalimumab for 56 weeks or placebo for 24 weeks and they were switched to upadocitinib. So uh, most of us are familiar with these data, but when we look at it in this fashion, uh, the, the proportion of patients receiving, all, uh, uh, achieving all of these metrics, ACR 2050, 70, MDA, PASI 70, 90, and 100, resolution of the enthesitis scores and dactylitis uh, were maintained or further improved for week 24 to 56. Uh, you know, when we treat patients, it's not just 24 weeks, it's uh, over the long haul. So this is very important. And this was a very rigorous type of analysis. Um, and uh, the improvements um, were similar to those who first were randomized to a patent syndrome. And then uh, through week 56, um, uh, SAEs, treatment of emergent adverse events, including serious infections, were similar between hepatocytinib 15 and adalimumab, but were higher in the 30 milligram uh, dose, which in the United States is not used. Uh, Upadacitinib 15 and 30 showed long-term efficacy in patients uh, with uh, psoriatic arthritis. So we're learning a lot more about this. So the final postdoc study in this selection was Quirera and their colleagues who focused on joint-specific response patterns in 422 patients with psoriatic arthritis uh, treated with tofacitinib and natalimumab. And this is a really interesting study. And I haven't seen very many studies uh, that have used this technique. They looked at paired joint pathology scores from the opal Broden study. Um, and response patterns were compared to uh, placebo to examine the efficacy of these two therapeutic uh, regimens. Um, so uh, this, to, uh, this analysis uh, which you really need to see the figure to get the full breadth of this. And if you're interested, you can go back to the abstract. Um, looks at um, uh, joint inflammation throughout the body, kind of head to toe, um, where there uh, uh, is paired data. So if you have wrists, you want to know whether it's paired on each side, knees, toes, etc. cetera. So um, it creates kind of a almost looks like a violin plot, but it's not a violin plot. So at three months, improvement was greater in joints below the knee with placebo. Uh, I have to think about that. Um, is it this unique form of analysis? Uh, it, it, it was, it, you know, the data are the data. At month 12, there was greater reductions 
uh, in PJPs with tofacitinib uh, or um, uh, adalimumab, both uh, in the wrists, radial MCPs, hands, VIPs versus other joints. And at month 12, greater reduction in PJPs are observed with adalimumab versus tofacitinib in hand DIPs and PIPs and feet with tofacitinib versus uh, adalimumab. So there's no consistent joint response patterns observed with these drugs. Um, and at three month delay in advanced therapy um, may result in radiographic progression in the feet. Uh, I have to think long and hard whether this is a useful analysis to me. Uh, I'd love to hear from any of you who uh, uh, look at this that have deeper insights into this, uh, if you have any other differences. So uh, three abstracts that stood out today focused on uh, measurements and management of RA patients and quality of life. And I'll bring, bring this home with uh, looking at these. We'll start by looking at one of my favorite subjects, fatigue in RA page, patients, uh, where Fatrell and colleagues examined the effects of baricitinib on fatigue. Um, in the BEAM and BEACON studies uh, in that development program um, and attempted to look at the uh, direct relief of pain by baricitinib and answer the question, is this independent uh, of disease activity? This seems to be a very hot question in therapeutic trials now. Um, so we know the BEAM and the BEACON trials. Um, and so the data were extracted from that. And so the first key result is that in the methotrexate incomplete responders, disease activity um, mediated effect uh, accounted for 50 to 60% of fatigue improvement in Vera and ADA over placebo. So, you know, you're taking that group of patients and then and those that got good response uh, to disease activity metrics, that could account for 50 to 60% of fatigue improvement. The total direct and, uh, and mediation effect of fatigue um, relief increased with baricitinib increased from week 12 to 24. Um, so um, uh, there is a change over time. And in biologically uh, uh, experienced patients who entered this study, uh, 20 to 30% of the effects of bera. Uh, and they use the facet fatigue, by the way, uh, were independent of disease activity. And they looked, you know, with rigor uh, whether these patients had many uh, had met the uh, uh, meaningful change of four units in facet fatigue. Um, so, in conclusion, uh, in methotrexate and biologically uh, experienced uh, patients, baricitinib had effects on fatigue independent of disease activity. The direct fatigue relief effects of baricitinib over placebo were significant at week 16. We're starting to see this in uh, numerous other drugs. Um, this is my kind of additional editorial comment that it's not just patients who go on um, biologics or JAK inhibitors and have uh, fatigue improved um, that can be accounted for on the basis of lowering inflammation, joint scores, skin scores. There's something else there. Is that placebo effect, a potent biologic phenomena? Or are there other pathways? Um, perhaps um, uh, 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 cytokines uh, inhibited by these drugs um, that are affecting uh, 
uh, CNS pathways and or sleep. Uh, very exciting data it needs to be um, uh, uh, followed up on. Uh, Seba and colleagues analyzed swollen joint count and pain data derived from the three RA beam uh, studies and assessing the relationship between pain and inflammation um, uh, in this study, which included baricitin of an RA. Um, so they took the results, uh, patients who were on Bera plus methotrexate, adalimumab plus methotrexate, and they looked at the people who had uh, good responses, greater than 50% improvement in swollen joints, um, and those who did not at week 12 and 24. So you had responder, non-responders. So for patients who did not achieve 50% improvement in uh, swollen joint count, those treated with baricitinib reported significantly greater improvements in pain um, than adalimumab. This difference was not observed consistently in the group um, uh, achieving 50% um, swollen joint responses. The significant interaction test replies, implies a differential effect of baricitinib on pain, not associated with improvement of inflammation. So we have another one, fatigue and pain. Is what is the mechanism that is working outside of uh, the direct effect um, on inflammation and targets in joints and skin? You know, there are uh, cytokines uh, that can be inhibited by JAK STAT pathways, over 50 cytokines and chemokines, including things like GMCSF, IL 6, um, which have direct uh, noiceptive properties. Um, perhaps contributing, uh, just one hypothesis among many. Final highlight of the day, Beerwald colleagues looked at the, the challenges of managing persisting pain in RA. And um, there are many types of pain in RA, uh, mechanical pain, inflammatory pain, neuritic pain. They discussed the differences in reported pain between responders and non-responders in the reference group and included an assessment of the impact on patients' mental health over 40 week 48-week studies, and we know that uh, pain is a comorbidity uh, for intercurrent mood. So I think that this is a, uh, a really uh, interesting study. So prospective non-interventional uh, study in rheumatology centers, so looking at real-world data, um, 24 weeks, they looked at um, uh, irreference, non-responders, and persisting uh, pain, G1, G2, G3. And they found uh, the proportion of uh, these um, neuropathic pain subgroups was similar um, in G3 and G2, uh, non-responders and persisting pain, 25% uh, 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 in each group. Between 24 and 48 subjects in G3, uh, persisting pain, uh, attaining uh, uh, this RAID pass, uh, metric increased from 8 to 23%. And simultaneously, uh, um, DAS-CRP decreased from 3 to 2.4, uh, 2.9 respectively, small decrease. During this period of study, the proportion of patients in G3, the persisting pain um, group, uh, with moderate depressive symptom, symptoms uh, uh, or worse, hardly changed. So role of intercurrent mood disorders. So neuropathic pain is a frequent underrated challenge in 
RA patients. I don't think we routinely appraise this in data. You know, our patients talk about uh, dysesthesia, and we wonder in fibro patients, is that the pseudodysesthesia of uh, fibromyalgia? But more recent data suggests that there's a increased uh, incidence of uh, small fiber neuropathy in that group. Uh, but in patients with that, not responding to anti-inflammatory uh, uh, treatment uh, uh, should not be surprising. So I, it's a really fascinating study. It's complex. Um, I urge you to go and review it in detail. So um, another busy day here. Uh, it's been interesting to see such a strong focus on quality of life uh, near and dear to my heart. Um, if you haven't already, download our highlights brochure. It really has... Uh, the big 30,000 foot view of what's going on here. You can watch the previous day highlights and catch up with any session you might have missed. Thanks again for joining me. Uh, I really enjoyed this roundup on day three. And again, uh, my good buddy, Professor Grace Wright, will join you tomorrow and take you through the highlights from day four, uh, the final day of ACR 2021. I hope you have followed us all on Twitter. I hope you're following me on Twitter, El Calabrese DO, easy to find. You can get uh, uh, information um, uh, on uh, what's going on at the CSF site. Um, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you.